Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings and welcome once again to the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I'm J.P. Motor. And we're here to celebrate the greatest songs in modern music history. We're going to tell you what makes them great, why we think they're awesome, and why you should too. J.P., how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing fantastic, Rob. Uh, so, fellas, too bad for this episode. It's audio only, and thus the video starring <laughs> Bobby Brown will not be seen. But we do have one of the co-writers of this smash hit that sounds so 80s. You'd immediately think, oh, yeah, that song definitely belongs in the 80s, but in 80s month, why was it in there? But it's actually released in the 90s. Yep. Rob, tell them about what uh, hair metal, glam rock at its finest uh, that we are covering today. This 1990 release. This is Cherry Pie by Warrant. Prepubescent glory is Warrant's Cherry Pie, (laughs) a classic, uh, seriously, a classic rock rock track of this. You know what I mean? It's like a time capsule, Cherry Uh, Pie. Even the iconography of the album cover and stuff like that. It's just, it it just is a thing that, like, it's, it's one of those things. You know, our rule here on the Great Song Podcast is if you turn it up when you hear it on the radio, Uh then it belongs. Yeah, right. Um, and this is one of those that, like, I'm a little bit ashamed <laughs> yeah. that I turn this up, uh-huh. right? Still, like, you know, but I, you do. It's You hear Cherry Pie on the radio, you listen to it, and you go, God, this is sophomoric and immature, <laughs> and what in the world? And we are a family-friendly podcast, and we're fa- so, so you're like, why are you guys covering Cherry Pie? Yeah. But Rob, you turn it up. It's you like- do. You can't help it. You can't not sing along with that chorus, uh-huh. right? You yeah. just can't. Yeah. And so it's one of those things. It, it deserves, it warrants an oh, episode. Okay, there so here it is. This is Cherry Pie by Warrant from the 1990 album Cherry Pie, written by our guest today, Alan Hewitt and Janie Lane of Warrant. Uh, it's an adorable little song about baseball. <laughs> right, there we go. Um, <laughs> right? That's what they were singing about, thinking yeah. about baseball. Uh, it went to number ten on the Billboard Hot 100, which is a which is higher than I expected. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, I realized rock and roll was was in a different place at that. You know, uh-huh. it was the mainstream thing was rock and roll, but number ten on the Hot 100 uh, was a little higher than I expected. Number nineteen on the mainstream rock chart, 
Number 35 on the UK singles chart, number 57 in Canada, and number six in Australia. Big, big fans of this song over in Australia. Um, let's start, I think, with a few sort of listening notes and, and, and some analysis here. Um, first of all, the reference they're making at the beginning here, let's bring these gang vocals back in. Lots and lots of gang vocals galore. That is Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking is a reference to Warren's debut album, Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking, Rich, which is still to this day one of the all-time great rock album covers, in my opinion. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I think so. It's like a big fat cat, like, you know, boss man looking dude, like yeah. Kingpin from uh, Daredevil mm-hmm. with like three chins and he's just massively, you know, fat face and whatever. He's got money coming out his ears and he's burning yeah. like a $100 bill as a cigarette kind of thing. It just... It it is an amazing album cover. I, it, like no exaggeration. I, that is one that when you see it once, you remember it yeah. forever. And and really the same thing with the cherry the pie cherry album pie one, cover. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is it's an iconic album cover. It really mm-hmm. is uh, from this time. It's sexist. I know. Like it's all those things. But you turn it up when you it's hear it bearable. on the dog on radio. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so uh, also they start with a chorus, mm-hmm. right? You, you start straight on the chorus, which is really unusual, um, but it gets the hook buried in your head immediately, right? Yeah. It's, and that the the rhythm of the, you know, uh, got that bouncy, mm-hmm. you know, it's like swung 16th feel, kind of a thing. Um, and so it is, and it establishes the metaphor right away. Yeah. So I'm not sure that the verses work without, that hook being established first, yeah, it's, right? It's it good. doesn't make as as much sense. Like, so, oh, I want to know where we're going, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. swinging in the living room. What yeah. are we swinging? You know, yeah. oh, that's the baseball bat. That that talking is. about. Okay, I got you. I'm with you. Um, there's definitely some pour some sugar on me in uh-huh. here, right? Yeah. And and reportedly, there's some love in an elevator uh, okay. in here as a inspiration as well. Okay. And I, I'm pick up uh, some little notes of uh, cult of personality, right? Oh, that, yeah. That guitar living riff. Color, it's uh-huh, good, yeah. is, there's a little a little living color in there also. Um, the the story goes that this is another one of those like late edition songs. The mm-hmm. album was done. Warrant turned in the album, and the label went. I we don't have a radio hit yet. Um, write us one more and make it super radio you know, big hit. And so, and then let's change the whole album title to that radio. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in, so in about 20, 30 minutes, as the legend goes, Alan Hewitt, uh, and Janie Lane cranked out the smash hit. Um, and, uh, the lyrics to the song were written down on a pizza box, which now resides in the hard rock cafe in Destin, Florida. Um, and, uh, we'll talk about the, the kind of the changes that came to the album in, in uh, just a minute. Um, let's see a couple more listening notes. I absolutely love, okay, let's first, let's go to the guitar solo. Uh, we have a, a, a guest on guitar. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Two things I love about that. One, it's CC Deville there we of go. Poison on that guitar solo, who I'm a big fan of. Always love his solos. For all things Poison, go ahead and go to our episode on Patreon. That's right. And we'll talk about CC, and we'll even play some CC games. Yes, so. we will. Um, and then at the end, 
the trained professionals line with, with Janie Lane just going trained professional. <laughs> I don't know what it is about that, but I love that. I love hair band lead singer, like bravado banter, you know, yeah. <laughs> even like little stuff like uh Steven Tyler being like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Whatever. Uh-huh. I love that stuff. Them trying to say something clever and you know, uh-huh. whatever. Sometimes it's awful. Sometimes it's brilliant, but trained professionals is absolutely inspired. Uh-huh. Like that's great. There's no need to say that there. Uh-huh. It makes no sense whatsoever with the song, <laughs> but it's totally perfect. Um, and then we get this key change up at the yeah, end. That's, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. The key change. We're going to go up by a fourth. Just change the key up by a fourth for no reason. They're like, take that living on a prayer, right? Right, with your minor third, <laughs> you know, if, up by a minor third, we'll raise you a whole step. How yeah, about that? That's good. Um, that's crazy, but it's cool. It works. Yeah. You know, the interval that it creates on that first note is interesting uh-huh. because it makes it. You know, hang on, swing, hang on, swing. Well, I can't even, I gotta, gotta get back in the original key. Hang on. You were there. Yeah, so I ain't gonna swing with my daughter no more. Then she's my. It goes up, it makes it like a, a, a minor sixth, a flat sixth from where they were to where they're headed. It's interesting. And of course, they're singing like down an octave. Mm-hmm. So you really end up with an octave plus a flat sixth yeah. jump there. Uh, really interesting. Okay. Uh, let's see. Should we, we got to mention the video. You have to talk about the yeah. video. It's, it's absolutely intertwined with the song. Sure. We hinted at it in the uh, fantastic at the beginning, but uh, Bobby Brown dancing around. I mean, that's pretty much all you need to talk about. I guess that's the, the main. And, and the band like having just so much fun, uh-huh. like, and I don't know if it's real fun or like put on fun for the camera. Right. Yeah. But they're like messing with each other and everything is red like everything in the video is is cherry red red. they're like hey what's red let's use that in the video red drums yes please red cymbals absolutely (laughs) fire truck perfect bring it does the hose work even better (laughs) you know they're like how far can we stretch this metaphor you know so she actually married uh jane lena after the video of this so um and then divorced two years later and was engaged to Tommy Lee. And then they broke oh, up. Really? And then he married Pamela Anderson. But yeah, she, uh, here's how much I've watched this video is that I know she's left handed and she <laughs> plays air guitar left handed. All right. No, I just was watching back there. I was like, holy cow, I never noticed that she was left handed. <laughs> Um. Yeah, she's also in the Great White Once Bitten Twice Shy video. Oh, is she really? Yeah. So she okay. Was, so she had kind of a run uh, as was her thing, a yeah. w- video vixen. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, I do wonder if our Canadian listeners are as aware of this song. You know, it didn't chart. It charted like in the low fifties okay. in Canada. Um, because the the video was banned by the Canadian oh, Much okay. Music uh, Network because it was deemed quote offensively sexist, which is definitely true. Yeah, we can't argue with that. Yeah. Um. That is, unless you ask the video's director, Jeff Stein, who says the video is a bit of self-referential parody. He says, quote, it's so over the top. How could anyone think it was anything but a spoof of other hair metal videos? You know, if people think it was sexist, it was only sexist as a parody of sexism. <laughs> OK, convenient. I that's say a good, good. Uh, that's yeah. That sounds like a way to to stay out of PC trouble mm-hmm. in later years. Right. Like, no, it was a parody. You don't get it. Yeah. Like, you're just not on my level. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> when it's like, uh, dude, you're spraying this girl with a fire hose. <laughs> You know, like 
Yeah. Like, yeah. we get it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> hilarious and intriguing, and yeah. I, you know what? I need to go. All right. Um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, a little bit about the album, unless you have more on the video. No, we're good. Okay, the Cherry Pie album was the second album released by Warrant. It was released on September 11th, 1990. It went to number seven on the U.S. Billboard 200, number 13 in Australia, number 34 in Canada, and number 26 in Japan. It spawned four Hot 100 singles and two top 10 singles, those being Cherry Pie and I Saw Red. I really like I Saw Red. I, like I Saw Red was one of, the big, uh, one of the big songs, and it's a true story, uh, apparently, about... Um, um, uh, Janie Lane walking in on his girlfriend with another guy and, um, you know, him being just absolutely furious. Pretty pow- uh, piano heavy. I know Janie plays piano too. So, yeah. um, but the guy that we interview um, afterwards, Alan, who we've hinted at that we're going to be talking with him, he's also a piano player that played piano on this album. Yeah. I can't remember if we asked him if he played the piano part on I Saw Red or not. Yeah. And it, I think he played some B3 on, uh, on Cherry Pie. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's in there. Um, so, interestingly enough, you mentioned this earlier, once Cherry Pie emerged as the lead single, um, the marketing and everything for the album completely changed. Um, it was originally planned uh, that it was going to be called Uncle Tom's Cabin, which ended up being the third single from the record, and it was, but it was going to be the album track. Um, and there's a really... Now, the single version of that doesn't have this opening, but check out this tasty little uh, guitar opening to Uncle Tom's Cabin. I believe this was played by Janie Lane's brother. Tasty. Yeah. You know? It's almost like they're like, just noodle around a little bit. There's yeah. no form, but it's cool. It's got some nice chord. Yeah work in it you know it's i like nice. that yeah and then so this would be the way the single you know thing um and uh uncle tom's cabin doesn't have anything to do with the with the book uncle tom's cabin um it's just a, a story about something that happened in quote uncle tom's cabin um and then here's a little bit of cherry pie album trivia uh it was long rumored that warrant guitarists eric turner and joey allen didn't actually play any of the solos on this album but that all the guitar solos on the record except Cherry Pie were played by a guy named Mike Slamer. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, who was in the band Streets with Steve Walsh of Kansas. That rumor was confirmed by Warrant's producer, Bo Hill, on an interview uh, of Full and Bloom a couple years back. And I'll play you a little bit of it here. And you can hear his kind of explanation of why. I've got to ask you about the guitars because uh, there was always the rumor that Eric and Joey didn't actually play on those records. What's the real story on that? This is the true, true story. So we're in pre-production and I'm listening and listening and listening. Eddie Wenrick, their manager, walks in the door and I said, Eddie, I need to have a chat with you. And so we walked outside and I said, look, we're in direct competition with the Van Halens and the Martinis." 
of the universe, and Eric and Joey are just not at that level at this time. And I think that we're going to get smoked if we continue the way that we're continuing, and I'd like to bring in another guitar player to play the solos. So everybody took a big gulp, and so I called a band meeting, and to their credit, they were... I know that they were very disappointed, but they were so professional and they were, again, they were so respectful that what could have been World War III didn't occur. They didn't like it, but the guy that I selected to do the guitar work is like one of the loveliest people you could ever meet. He has like zero ego and wound up, as it turns out, giving guitar lessons to Eric and Joey and teaching them the solos that he played his name's mike slamer very very talented guy and he's crazy huh that's awesome i didn't know that so that's wild so like they played the rhythm stuff is my understanding now there are some rumors out there that they like didn't play anything at all i don't think that's the case based on what i've seen from him but that but that he came in just to play the solos and then cc deville uh you know played the solo on uh cherry pie but um but yeah really interesting really interesting story and apparently you know i've heard it said um and i've watched documentaries and stuff about this that like that happens a lot more often than you would imagine Mm -hmm. that like you know the people that you think played on certain albums even in established bands that you know like you could name all four members of this band you know but on a lot of their records like they're not playing some of the stuff that you think they're they are you know and it just happens because you know, certain players can't can't pull it off as clean in the studio or don't have the repertoire necessarily or whatever. Or maybe they're just messed up. You know, we've heard stories about uh, drummers who like passed out in the studio and didn't get to, you know, record on the track. And so sometimes it just happens. You need somebody else. You need a fresh arm in there sometimes, you know. The uh, first encounter I ever had with anything like that that I can remember is I went to see the band Cutlass when I was, okay. uh, when I was you know, when Cutlass. When you were was, saved. Yeah, <laughs> this would have been like. Probably early 2000s, I guess, 2000, 2001, something mm-hmm. like that, when their first album came out. And I went and saw them live, and there were no guitar solos. And it was just pretty, I was like, that's kind of weird. And then I heard later that Aaron Sprinkle did all the guitar work on the album, oh, like every bit of guitar okay. work. And I was like, that's so weird. All they did is get up there and play, you know, play the songs, but it was very different than the album. Yeah. And uh, then I, they were like, oh, yeah, Aaron Sprinkle did all the guitar work on it. Huh. They yeah. didn't, they didn't play any of that. So there you go. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like sometimes it puts you in a weird spot where like, can we do this live? You know, yeah. uh, but uh, credit to credit to the Warrant guys because yeah. that's you know that's awesome um, to them and to uh, Slamer and to Mike Slamer. Yeah, um, let's do. This might be a good place to actually meet the band. Let's, let's talk it, about yeah. them and then we'll go. For hey, it. let's meet the band. It's time to meet the band. Hey, mama, let's meet the band. Let's all meet the band. So we're gonna meet the band that I had credited on there uh, before that dynamite drop in by Rob. That was awesome. I like I'm glad that. I said it before. Yeah. So that I wasn't that like, like actually. A, you're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the here's what we have to go off of um, on vocals, some acoustic guitar, and a ranger uh, of this. Janie Lane. Uh, he was born in Akron, Ohio, and he grew up listening to the Cleveland, Ohio rock station WMMS. So let's talk about great rock stations. But a great rock station from Cleveland yeah. has to be like. Upper hand. It's Cleveland top, Rocks. Top, top tier, right? Um, he actually did a thing, theme song to a novel with James J.Y. Young of Styx yeah. called The Devil of Shakespeare. So, you know, I'm a Styx fan, so yeah. any tie-in I can do to that. Um, and Janie's no longer with us. Um, yeah. But, uh, he passed away in 2011 of, I think, alcohol poisoning? There, I believe yeah, that is what I've, you know, said. Um, I, I got to say this about him before you move on. Please. Um, and watch this video and prove me wrong, okay? 
he has one of those faces that you look at and you go, that kid got away with everything. That's good. I like that. I look yeah. at him and immediately know what kind of kid he yeah. was in elementary yeah. school. I'm like, I knew you. Yeah. I rode the bus with you, uh-huh. and I know what kind of trouble you were That's in right. constantly, uh-huh. but somehow never facing consequences. And the other kids got took the rap for it, or <laughs> yeah, nothing dude. happened. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, on guitar, we talked about Joey Allen. Uh, Rob talked about He left in 1994 to become a Microsoft certified professional. There's okay. nothing more anti glam rock than no a kidding. computer nerd. Yeah. But Joey pulled it off. So um, the other guitar player, Eric Turner, um, his influences, Joey Pe- Joe Perry and Jimmy Page, he called himself more of a rhythm player than Joey as billed both as co lead players. But he admits, and this is a great accidental pun, he's like, Joey's a little more technical than I am. And then he went into be into Microsoft. So, <laughs> technical. So that was an accidental pun that That's I was funny. researching. That was kind of cool for right. me. Um, on bass guitar, Jerry Dixon, his first bass ever was a Sears brand he got for $30. You remember when the Sears catalog Dang. was everything? Yeah. Did you, when I was growing up, my mom would give me a Sears catalog and she'd be like, pick something you want for Christmas out of the Sears catalog. Did you ever do that? Yeah. Well, mine was more of a, like, my grandmother would have the Sears catalog at her house and I would just look through it all the time uh-huh. when I was over there. Yeah. It was like two inches thick. I mean, it's, it was oh massive. My gosh. It's like if you took two phone books and put them together, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, so The Sears catalog, dude. Now, the Toys R Us catalog was the one that like it would be like, you know, pick something out for Christmas, that Toys okay. R Us deal. But yeah, the Sears catalog, man, that was a whole thing. Even especially for people who are a little bit older than us, uh-huh. right? Like yeah. maybe our parents yeah. um, or somewhere there in between. Like the Sears catalog ruled for uh-huh. a while. Yeah. I remember getting VCR football out of there one year. <laughs> That's a great game. For the guys who have never played VCR football, it's awesome. Um, on drums, Stephen Sweet um, used Pearl drums, Remo drum heads, Sabian cymbals, and a head drumstick. That's 1990s rock. Yeah. Right there. If you say, what is Pearl, Remo, Sabian, like that's 90s rock. Yeah. Perfectly right there. And then we talked about CC um, doing the guitar solo and Alan, who we're uh, hanging out with afterwards. You guys are really going to like him. It was a lot of fun oh, chatting with Alan Hewitt. The um, original version, so there were a couple different versions. We grew up in a weird time. So when <laughs> w- when we grew up, they were just coming out with this thing called the uh, parental advisory label. Yeah, okay? that's right. It was invented during our lifetime. That's true. During our early years. And, um, and one of the uh, faces of that movement were uh, Alan Tipper Gore. Um, and Tipper Gore in particular was very vocal and very forward in the, in the push for the creation of parental advisory labels. Um, and so when the cherry pie album was released, it was released in a couple of different versions. There was one that you could buy at like Walmart that was clean. Um, and that had some of the stuff on the album bleeped and was missing a track. Now, if you bought it at a record store, Um, then you could buy the explicit version that had the parental advisory label in the corner. And the last track on that album uh, was called Ode to Tipper Gore. And it's literally a collection. It's literally just clips of Janie Lane swearing at live concerts for about two minutes. (laughs) I'm going to play a clip of it just for me and you. Okay. I can't air any of this. (laughs) But I'm going to play a clip of it just so we can hear it, and maybe I'll just put our laugh track in the episode. <laughs> I, I want to hear all of you scream the hair off your Get here we go. right there.
It's oh literally, it's just, it's two minutes of pure obscenity. Oh my goodness. That's not like, it's one thing. It's not like I looked at a work of art and said, that's pure obscenity. Uh-huh. What I literally mean is, it's him saying four letter words that you still can't say on network television yeah. for two minutes. Yeah. It's like, just, and it's blended together. And it's just, yeah. Bl- blended is. Uh, blended's, uh, blended's brand, overstating yeah, it's, it. It's like, it's crammed together. <laughs> it's cr- yeah, it, That's exactly it's, what it is. It is crammed everywhere it's together. Like, yeah. It's like somebody just learned how to edit and they're like, <laughs> they're like, I don't know how to use this fade yet or blend. <laughs> But let's just go bam, 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 back to back. And then let's throw a bass riff in the middle. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Like, Jerry, get up here and play that bass riff that you like so much. And let's write a song. Yeah, man. That's hysterical. So, yes, that is Ode to Tipper Gore. And that is, of course, available on the, like, streaming versions of whatever. If you should choose to hear it, don't listen to it with children or the elderly or oh, veterans or, or, or your pastor. anybody around yeah. or your pastor, uh, because it is, uh, it's really something else. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, A little more on Warrant. Um, They have sold more than 10 million albums worldwide. They really, like... I didn't really listen to much Warrant. It's funny they had album covers that I definitely knew. Like yeah. Whoever was in charge of like art design for Warrant mm-hmm. did a fantastic job. Props to the record label for those. Because they had three album covers that I distinctly remember. Those being uh, Dirty, uh, Filthy, Rotten, Stinking Rich, Cherry Pie, and then the follow-up, which was Dog Eat Dog, which I don't even remember. But it's like a... It's a dog... With a man's arm and he's chewing on his own arm with a big, strong, like bare arm, Um, and it is considered by uh, many to be their best album. By many, at least critically, to be their best album. Though its sales numbers didn't match its predecessors, uh, because like grunge and alt rock had Mm -hmm. fully kind of taken over by that time, Um, but uh, and glam rock was kind of out of vogue. But um, but you know, a lot of people say that's their best album. Now their first hit. Uh, was a song called Heaven. Uh, this was from their and debut album. this is album. on Power Ballads. Is it? Okay, the yes. original like Power Ballads. Yes, the original and, Power Ballads one. And this actually charted better on the Hot 100 than Cherry Pie did. This went to number two on the Hot 100. This is Heaven. You'll know the chorus for sure. Definitely those like, um, you know, ovation acoustic, um, every rose has its thorn (laughs) vibes, you know. Let's kick it to the chorus. Okay, so that's heaven. Got a pretty big key change at the end. Yeah, 
Yeah. So that first album spawned four hit singles and created then a, a huge expectation for the follow-up, which became Cherry Pie. Um, and so they had th- three pretty solid albums back-to-back, especially those two. And then Dog Eat Dog was like critical success, commercially not as much. I mean, mm-hmm. it still did fine. I think it sold like maybe half a million copies. So that's not nothing. Yeah. You know, but um, so that's that's pretty sweet. Um, okay. Why don't you... Why don't you stump the genius, let's and then it. I let's got a little bit more to come back at. Okay, let's play stump the genius. Stump the genius, stump the genius, stump the genius. It's time to stump the genius. I jump up and take your part. I take your part. All right, we're going to play stump the genius dessert trivia. All right, let's All right. do this. Cherry pie is a favorite, so here's uh, five questions about some favorite desserts. I'm going to nail this. Rob has been doing very well this season. At- I've been researching for this my whole life. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Type of ice cream. This one has peanut butter cups and fudge. What's it called? Peanut butter cups and fudge. Uh, is is that moose tracks? That is moose tracks. Yeah. Ring that bell. Bam. Boom. One for one. All right. Which country is tiramisu from? I'm going to give you three choices. Okay. France. I don't think I'm going to need them. Belgium. Italy. 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 Two for two. Ayo. Man, he's cruising Listen, right along. You guys think I'm an expert in music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they're going to get a little tougher. Okay, Sorry. all right. Which decade Which decade Pardon? did Krispy Kreme start? 30s, 50s, 70s. Okay. Um, so it gives me 50s vibes. Like everything about Krispy Kreme screams 50s to me. Um, but I wonder if that's when it actually started or if it actually started sooner. I My gut says 30s. 30s, 1937. Oh, Killing it. Rob is three for three. My gut has Krispy Kremes in it, so it knew. <laughs> It knew. <laughs> Muscle memory. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. That's right. Advertises which two candy bars. Almond Joys have nuts. Almond Joys. Mounds don't. Mounds don't. Yeah, Rob is Come killing on. it. Can he sweep the category? Let's this is the hardest this. one. He's been 80%. He's already hit his goal. This That's is right. just bonus. This is just uh, the cherry on top. There we you go. Will. The cherry pie on top. 1936, the first Jello flavor was offered. Ooh. Guess what it was? Was it lemon, cherry, or chocolate? Ooh, I'm gonna go with lemon. Is it is it? chocolate. Oh dang oh, it! Man. Okay, chocolate right. Jello. Bill. Chocolate Jello. The first. There I we guess, go. Chocolate pudding. Pudding. Okay. I guess. Right. Yeah. But anyway, very well done. Eighty percent. Thank you. Genius. Thank How'd y'all you. do at home it. on dessert trivia? Not desert trivia. No That's matter right. how I spelled it. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm gonna come back and and follow this up with a little bit more on pie. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about pie. Let's talk about pie. Like three point one four pie. No, no, I didn't go there. I went with actual pie because that's more my area of expertise. Uh, So pie is an English original turned into an American masterpiece. Okay. Okay. Uh, In fact, let's hear a brilliant quote about pie uh, from no less than American classic author Harriet Beecher Stowe, who wrote, "Yes, that's right." Uncle Tom's Uncle, Cabin. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Look at that. Listen to this quote from Harriet Beecher Stowe on pie. The pie is an English institution which, planted on American soil, forthwith ran rampant and burst forth into an untold variety of genera and species. Not merely the old traditional mince pie, but a thousand strictly American seedlings from that main stock evinced the power of American housewives <laughs> to adapt old institutions to new uses. Pumpkin pies cranberry pies, huckleberry pies, cherry pies, green currant pies, peach, pear, and plum pies, custard pies, apple pies, Marlboro pudding pies, pies with top crusts and pies without. 
pies adorned with all sorts of fanciful flutings and architectural <laughs> strips flutings. Yes, uh, laid across and around and otherwise varied attested the boundless fertility of the feminine mind when once let loose in a given direction. Holy cow, Beecher Stowe bringing it. Thank you, Harriet Beecher Stowe. Um, yeah, she's a big fan of pie, apparently. Um, from Wikipedia, the creation of flaky pie crust made with lard is credited to American innovation. Early versions of pie were baked in a baked in long, narrow pans, then called a coffin instead of crust. These early pastry shells were intended simply to hold the filling, not to be eaten. Oh, okay. That was just supposed to be a holder. Yeah. Wow. So literally, like the English started and you're to scoop it out. And yeah, you scoop, that's right. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, it's like the uh, do you or don't you eat the uh, the uh, taco salad shell? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, of course. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, whatever. But uh, yeah, so we invented that. Americans, we invented eating the the pie shell. That's awesome. And uh, that's and the, just and that's so American. Like eat it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. No, I don't just want to hold it with this. I want to waste. That. I want to eat the thing that's that right. I'm holding. That's right. Yeah. Uh, while American pies evolved into dainty tarts, the American pot pie cooked over the hearth in a Dutch oven, was generous and filling. By the 19th century, fruit pies had become a common breakfast food in the United States. I love me some chicken pot pie. There we go. Well, the top five... Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Chicken pot pie, yes. Uh, the top five pies overall in the okay. United States. Okay. And this is the last thing I have, last bit of trivia that I have here. I wonder how many I can get. B- okay. Boston cream? No. Lemon meringue? No. Cherry? Yes. Lemon? No. Pumpkin? Yes. Pecan. Yes. I mean, if I got three. Three. Um, Two more of the top five most popular overall. Bavarian. Great. No, that's no. not. I don't know. Okay. All right. From five to one. Number five. Chocolate. Is, nope. Oh. Although a good chocolate pie. Man. Boy. Mm, I feel like that's probably a moose thing. Chocolate <laughs> moose pie. No. I'm just, right. I, I was just saying on top of that. Not that. It oh, would. I got it. Okay. Okay. Top five overall uh, from five to one. Five is blueberry. Uh, popular in the okay. Northeast in particular. Okay. Pecan, most popular in the South. Apple. Ah, come missed on. Missed apple. Yeah. As American, American as, as the blues, yeah. as American <laughs> as apple pie. That's right. Come on. Uh, most popular in the Northeast and Midwest. Pumpkin, extremely popular in the West and Southwest at number two, top five pies. And number one is cherry, the Midwest favorite and the top pie overall in 11 states. That's awesome. This is based on, uh, I think, like Instacart data or something okay. like that. That's cool. You know? Yeah. So there we go. That's Cherry pie. Oatmeal cream? And cherry not on there? Pie. Little Debbie <laughs> oatmeal right. cream pie? Come yeah. on. Can you imagine a full-size pie? Of oatmeal cream of pie? oatmeal cream pie? Goodness gracious. Like, <laughs> just the, oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be, we gotta, we need to try that. Those, uh, if, I don't, those double-decker oatmeal cream pies are even a little much for me. Yeah. Like, when they put them together, I'm like, that's mm-hmm. just way too much. And I yeah. love me a good oatmeal cream pie, but a yeah, whole freaking pie. A slice. A slice of oatmeal cream pie. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I smell a, I smell a song parody, though. You that's know what it, I mean? She's my oatmeal cream pie. I mean, come on. That's we got to we're going to awesome. have to get to work on that. Call Alan Hewitt. That's right. All right. Uh, as a matter of fact, let's go talk to him. Maybe we'll bring up oatmeal cream pies, maybe we won't. Um, we're going to go talk to Alan Hewitt, co-writer of Cherry Pie, who also played on the track, and we'll be back at the end to tuck you in. But first, drop what you're doing right now and go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and follow us at Great Song Pod. Join us with the Facebook group, uh, Great Songs and the Great People Who Love Them Greatly. We have a lot of fun on there. And if you want to go the extra mile and become a producer, you can do that. You can help us produce the show. You can go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot C-O-M slash great song pod, G-R-E-8. Okay. Um, <laughs> patreon.com slash great song pod. And any level of support 
that you are willing to uh, to you know support us with. Uh, we are more than grateful to receive, and we will uh, let you know that by giving you all the thanks that we can and lots of bonus goodies when you support the show. So if you want to do that, go to Patreon and go to patreon.com slash greatsongpod. We're going to go talk to Alan Hewitt, and we'll be back at the end to tuck you in. This is the Great Song Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, as promised, we are here with Alan Hewitt, co-writer of Cherry Pie, musician extraordinaire. Oh my goodness, yes. He's player of the century, <laughs> uh, and uh, prog, prog god, all the, all the good stuff. Uh, Alan, thank you so much for joining us today on the Great Song Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Doing, doing pretty well. Can't complain. There's so many, so many places to start with you. Um, I, you know, I've been listening uh, in in researching to some of your some of your work and and your recent work, even with uh you know with One Nation, um and just your level of musicianship is incredible. Uh, and then I'm watching some interviews and and I see you talk about um, Berkeley College uh, of Music, and I went, oh, of course he went to Berkeley. He's like <laughs> stinking amazing, and that's just what Berkeley produces, uh, you know, and fosters. Can you can you tell us a little bit about for the people who don't know what Berkeley is and sort of the the environment the atmosphere uh, around Berkeley College of Music? Yeah, what was cool about Berkeley is that well, I was a big Chick Corea Return to Forever fan, okay. so um, you know a lot of the guys that wanted to do fusion went to Berkeley. Um, I didn't go there really to do bebop; I wanted to go there to do fusion stuff. So, um, so, so when you're there, especially at that time basically all you do is you rehearse, you know, you practice and practice. They have all these individual rooms and then you uh, get together in ensembles with all kinds of different, um, you know, people that play different, different ways. And, and, and then of course you have your, your classes and composing classes, arranging classes and, um, you know, and specialty training. Like I used to play, well, I do, I play vibes. So, um, Gary Burton was there and he's a great vibist and, um, he, you know, I got some pointers from him and, and at the time I was a drummer. So, so I was, uh, studying drums and playing, playing gigs outside with T-Bone Walker, um, to, oh. to make enough money to stay in school. So, That's awesome. um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a really neat thing. And, and some of the guys that I used to practice with were like Kenwood Denard from Weather Report, who's an unbelievable drummer. And, uh, and, and Jamie Glazer, who ended up being in, um, the first version of One Nation, um, on the, the, the record Evolution, which was out in 215. And he's, uh, he plays with, um, you know, John Luke Ponte and, and Chick Corea, and he was with Brian Adams it, in the Manhattan. They're pretty much everybody. He's an unbelievable. Uh, musician as well so yeah so that's kind of the atmosphere there well i got a follow-up to that because you talked on i was going to save that till later but since you talked about that album i love that album the evolution album and you're oh, basic, great you're basically playing with rob's dream band see it's true me and rob have different iterations of bruce hornsby i'm a range guy i like bruce hornsby ah. range. rob is a noisemakers guy yeah. like to the t so the fact oh, yeah. that you're playing with JB Collier and Sonny on that is wonderful and definitely so that's a that's a <laughs> yeah. that's a great project. What's it like just for mine and Rob's knowledge getting to play with JB Collier and Sonny? Well, JB is a is a really good friend of mine and um uh, he's played on oh, I don't know how many records uh at least eight of the records that I've done and we're we're good friends. We we stay in touch all the time. And Sonny um 
I know from Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. So when I worked with him, so you know he's a he's a unbelievable drummer, world class drummer, and of course Duffy is my my buddy uh, from Northern Michigan, and he's he's a great guitar player as well. So it was yeah, it was a really nice nice thing that we just we tried to get that off the ground as far as touring, and it it was uh, bad timing because I was out with Moody Blues, so so it just didn't have the time to really develop it. So, but it was, but it's a, it was a good, good structural thing for this next record yeah, that we're and, doing. And not to take away from, from Billy and David who are on the project now, I was looking at that, but uh, the, uh, I mean, that evolution album is wonderful. I love sure. the last ride off that organ greatness. The tempo change is magnificent. Yeah. Um, and you can definitely hear like Sonny's drum skills and your jazz influence with the chord change. It's so good. Oh, good. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Billy, Billy uh, and and David, like they are great. And that's why they're in this new version. Billy's um, my mate in the Moody Blues. See, so he's the drummer in Moody Blues. And so, and he's been with, uh, you know, Pat Benatar and also he's, <laughs> believe it or not, he's with NSYNC the whole time. So, really? <laughs> yeah, uh, but, uh, you know, great, great drummer. And David is also great, a great musician um bass player and keyboard player too so yeah it's a good combination this new one let's talk about the moody blues a little bit uh kind of a an iconic group that sometimes kind of goes underappreciated i feel like or under the radar a little bit even with their um sort of iconic status uh in the you know in the rock world and and even in the prog world um tell Mm -hmm. us about your time with the moody blues how long how long has that been now and um and what what are some favorite memories of with, with the moody blues yeah, that's been since two thousand nine, uh, and it's it's been a you know really cool thing because we've been around the world a couple times, and and of course the U.S. I can't count how many times we've been through there, but, but we played just about everywhere, and that's why I know all these you know every time a town comes up, you know I've pretty much been there, so I know something about it, and uh, and you know got to play places like Red Rocks and. And uh, Hollywood Bowl and the Greek Theater and and uh, Jones Beach, you know, amphitheaters, uh, just some un, you know, really cool places to play. That um, you know, you, when you're a kid growing up, you know, a, a musician is just dream about things. I've pretty much have been able to do the things that that uh, I fantasize about. You know, which yeah. is is really cool. And and the guys are great to work with. Um, good friends i consider them brothers and uh we just it's just just a just a fun fun gig to have yeah i know you guys i i have a a good friend and, and he's a good friend of the show um who is the drummer for uh glass hammer and um and yeah. they've, they've been with you guys several times on the cruise to the edge um and uh he he looks forward to it every year i know it got canceled uh last year um, yeah, but um, but he looks forward to that, you know, every year. And um, so for his sake and for our listeners sakes, do you have any great cruise ship stories? Uh, <laughs> I, I know not everybody can handle it. It's not it's not quite the gig for everyone. You have any great cruise to the edge stories? <laughs> Actually, and we had four Moody Blues cruises as well. So, That's right. Yeah. Uh, so that was um, there were some interesting moments on there because I got to meet a lot of my heroes, you know, like uh, Roger Daltrey was on. And I had dinner with him and, you know, he's just, he was such a funny guy to hang with and, and, uh, so down to earth and, and, um, oh, or some other, um, from Everslinger Palmer, Greg Lake. Oh, yeah. 
had breakfast with him and, uh, he, you know, it was, I think it was the year before he, he passed. And so it was, uh, it was, that was neat too, because Emerson Palmer was like one of my, you know, that was when, especially when I was a drummer, it was like yeah. one of the things that, you know, I, the bands that I really looked up to. So, so yeah, it's just pretty neat meeting all, all the people that you, you know, watched and then learned from, and then you end up, you know, are in, mingling with them and, and you're at the playing, midnight, actually you're playing at the midnight with them. buffet yeah. with them, eating a breakfast <laughs> yeah. buffet, eating eggs at one in the morning, yeah. I- ice cream at midnight. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I'm as far as glass hammer. Um, so John, John Davison was with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. From, you know, the singer from, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. so he, he plays with us in the, uh, the John Lodge band. Oh, okay. So, so he goes out on tour when we go out with that as That's well. Awesome. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the, those guys are, are, are great. Do you still, do you still do any drumming when you're, when you're composing for, for film and TV? Do you still do any drumming in the studio? No, I mean, I, I program it in a, I play them, but I, I, I program it just so there'll be a reference there for, for Billy to, okay. to get an idea what I'm going after. But no, I, I'm not really very good on the drums anymore, unfortunately. Gotcha. You got to practice that stuff, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Keep your chops up. Use it or lose it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, w- when it comes to uh, composing for, for TV and film versus composing for yourself or in a band context, how, what, what's the difference in approach there? How do you, wh- what are some things that you look at differently or what are, and maybe what are some things that are similar? Well, yeah, it varies project to project, but we'll start with film and TV. Um, a lot of times on film and TV, they'll send you a uh, clip of, of the, what you're writing for. And, um, so usually just write along to that, you know, make the, make sure the music's all, all in sync with it and all that kind of thing. And it, usually there's some kind of idea of what they're looking for. Um, say the action or, you know, they want some kind of eerie type thing or, or, you know, something like that. So that's, that's kind of how the film and TV thing happens with the, um, with music writing for a band or a solo artist, it depends what genre they're in, but let's say with what, let's go with one nation. So basically I write the songs out and, um, I program them, uh, on my, on my computer, you know, like studio and stuff. And then, um, pretty much do all the parts, but then send them out to the guys and take off their, their part and they put their own identity on there. Uh, So that happens with that. If I'm doing a, doing a record that has to be differently, like say for, let's say John Lodge, um, since I produce his stuff, we, I do basically the same kind of way, but some of the parts are, have to be a little bit more, um, rigid because of the orchestration and stuff that I put in things. So yeah, it just varies from, 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 from band to band and from, from show to show, I suppose. Gotcha. So I noticed I'm looking down your, your film and TV credits and, and one name sticks out. Anytime you see the name Oprah, you go, you kind of go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, she, I mean, she could be president of the universe if, if she chose to be. Uh, so is there, is there anything that, that is different in the expectation or the execution when you get a call from, from Oprah's, you know, one of Oprah's shows that says, all right, we need some, we need some music for one of Oprah's shows. Is that any different than any other sort of, uh, TV or film gig? 
Not really, because um, with Oprah, what she does is she accumulates this huge music library, and they use it when they need to use it. Because oh. there there isn't time um, when they're doing a show like that. T- you know, TV shows are usually cut really quickly, mm-hmm. and um, so there isn't time to really like. Oh, we need this piece of music, unless it's just a, a special show or something like that. But they have a huge uh, library that they have amassed with with all you know a lot of composers, not just myself, but quite a few composers. And I just happen to start when with them when they um, when they started putting this library together. Uh, it was I I believe it was when she switched. Net, network. The network, yeah. Okay. And um, so, and now there's quite a few guys working, but there was about maybe five or six of us doing it to, at that time. And and, uh, and they're still still doing it. So it just kind of, it's a, a circular thing. It just keeps going and going and going. <laughs> and if they ask, they out, they'll ask for more. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, basically the same thing. Yeah, so that our <laughs> listeners will know the magnitude. He's done stuff for Oprah. I mean, Saturday Night Live, Dr. Oz, Extra, Entertainment Tonight, Happy Gilmore. Happy, yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, so, a legend. Thanks so much. Here's a good one for you. Uh, National Lampoon. Yeah, there we go. There we go. We are gonna, I'm going to kind of spitfire a couple of different cherry pie questions at you, and then you can... Let me know. You can pick one of these. So I'm going to give you <laughs> okay. some top. So pick one if you want to answer one, if you want to skip all three and talk about something else. So I'm just going to hit you with three, and you let me know which one you want to go. Um, oh, okay. The, the solo on Cherry Pot, did you get to meet CeCe DeVille? And if so, did you get to interact with him at all? Number two, the key change. How involved were you on the key change and putting that together on Cherry Pie? And number three, did you get to meet Bobby Brown? And is she as hot in person and hopefully just as kind as every teenager <laughs> in the 90s hoped? Pick one or okay. none or three. <laughs> I know CC, but he I was not there when they did that because how this happened is um, they the label called uh, Donnie Einer, who is the head of the label, which is uh, Columbia Times, said uh, you guys don't have a hit for the album so they, my manager called and he managed Janie and I and he said uh, Alan Janie is coming down to write you guys need to write a hit <laughs> so, <laughs> no big deal that's right no pressure <laughs> so, yeah so Janie showed up and he didn't bring his guitar so I had to borrow it from a neighbor and uh, <laughs> we came in and started working in the studio and he had, you know, some ideas down and definitely a lot of the lyrics, uh, ideas for the lyrics. So, um, we just kind of knocked it out really quickly, um, helped him put it together and, you know, did the bridge and and several of the, you know, the lines in there, the cool guitar lines. Um, and what happened is we we finished up. It probably didn't take us that long. You know, I said it's about 30 to 30 minutes to an hour, we, we finished it in. Wow. So, um, <laughs> we, well, we didn't, neither one of us really knew what, we weren't sure what we had really. So, <laughs> but we, we, we took it up to the studio and, um, I downloaded everything from my, uh, my computers to, to their, to their system. And they spent all night, um, you know, tracking. And the next day was, was CC, but they recorded. And then, uh, the next day they, they put uh, some additional stuff on in the vocals and sent it to the label and the label went pretty much eight fish over it and, uh, <laughs> and, and decided that that was going to be the, the whole concept of the, you know, video and album and, um, 
at the time. And, and yeah, Bobby Brown, she was, she was new to town and she was a, she was a really cool girl. And, uh, uh, obviously everybody liked her in there and, I, and, uh, uh, Janie ended up, uh, yeah, he married her. After yeah. Yeah. They ended up together. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right. But that's, that's pretty much how that all happened. Well, I watched that video enough to know that I know she plays air guitar left-handed. <laughs> wow, that's funny. You know, I've only seen that video once. Isn't that weird? Good wow, job yeah. for you. <laughs> restraint on good, your part. Yeah, good, job, good restraint on your part. But I did, I did hear it on, I think I heard it on a, was it a Burger King ad? Oh, nice. maybe. I, we just yeah. had Burger King. Yeah, we did. Me and Rob yeah, just had Burger King. They're not one of our sponsors. I hope you yet. had a veggie. Did you have a veggie burger? We didn't. We didn't get an Impossible Burger. That's right. I know you're big. Ah, you're big on animal rights yeah. and, but and know, vegetarianism. We know, we know you are. Yeah, we, yeah. we saw your. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to disappoint on that. We should have got the Impossible. Wow, we should have. Should have got the. We should have got the Impossible because we knew we were hanging out with you. That was a, yeah, you should have. Swing and a miss on our part. So. <laughs> just to get in the mood. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> there's a there's other hits on that album too. Uncle Tom's Cabin and I Saw Red, both on that same album now i saw red's definitely piano heavy and i know janie played piano as well were you involved yeah. playing on any of the other tracks as well did you play piano on any of the other songs on yeah the i played i played b3 and and piano on on and i know uncle tom's cabin for sure mm-hmm. i i, I don't song. remember all the tunes i played on quite a few um the uncle tom's cabin is the one that janie really wanted to be the single oh, the yeah. first one yeah i know and uh but it didn't turn out that way. And I, he really didn't. I mean, obviously you probably know this, but he, he really didn't like being the cherry pie guy. I mean, yeah. it, it really <laughs> took, it kind of, it kind of took on a life of its own. And so, and so that, that's just, but that's how what happens sometimes when you have one of those huge hits. Fair enough. Yep. Yep. You get pigeonholed. Yep. Alan, you've been so much fun. Uh, we want to be respectful of your time. Got two more questions. One we ask everybody. We'll save it to the end. But before that, what's it like to win an ESPY? Tell us about winning an ESPY. Yeah. That's awesome. I think you're the first person we've talked to that's Definitely. won an ESPY. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was that. You know what happens is the show. The show that I was doing, which was actually Total Gym, um, oh yeah, was won the ESPY, and so whatever was on there, you know, won it. So that's cool. Uh, this, you know, when you're when you're the, the like in the music or you're in that part of it, you don't get to go to the show. Ah, oh, well, at least you can give yourself credit. Do you have a plaque or something in your house? Just something that shows either a, there, a printout. <laughs> no, I believe somebody does though, because they only had one for the whole thing. Oh, okay, <laughs> we'll send you a PDF. We'll, or we'll something. make you a homemade version. Yeah, yeah. We'll, there we'll send, you go. We'll put our picture presenting it to you. Us holding there, a, there a bowling go. trophy or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I do have one question. I, JP said we got one more, but I, got, but I got one additional question that I'm trying to get in the habit of asking keys players just because I want to know. If you, okay. sit, if you sit down at a, at a new um, synthesizer or you're, sitting down, you're, you're, you're coming up to your keys for sound check or, or something like that, what's the first, is there a first like chord that you play that feels like home base to you that you go, all right, I know how this chord is supposed to sound in this context. Is there, what's, what do you play first when you sit down? Yeah, I kind of do a I do a kind of an exercise. It was actually a take off of a Keith Jarrett piano thing, um, which pretty much covers every note on the keyboard. <laughs> so, uh, so that that's really the first thing I do. Uh, if it's a, you know like a piano type sound, and if it's a synthesizer sound, I just go crazy on it. And then of course on the organ, I just just do all kinds of different things that I like to do on the on the organ. <laughs> the organ can be very percussive instrument, so it's yeah, fun. Sure. Yeah. 
That's great. All yeah, right. I have several. I have lots of keyboards to pick from when I play. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not just one usually. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, definitely a, a gear a gear a connoisseur. Yeah. I've oh, I like yeah. Up, so. <laughs> I like lots of lots of keyboards. <laughs> right. Last question, Alan. Then we'll let you enjoy your day. Uh, you're on tour, either with Moody Blues or with Alan Hewitt and One Nation or solo project, whatever. You're on tour, and you go into a gas station. What is your gas station snack food of choice? And while you're thinking of yours, I'll tell you mine. Um, I get a Three Musketeers bar every time. When I was growing up, my mom would say you could get any candy bar you want, and that's the most ounces, and they're all about the same amount of money. So I get a Three Musketeers bar. What is your gas station snack food of choice? I'm probably a little bit more boring. I'd probably get a uh, yogurt. Okay. okay. Yeah. Hey, that's a first. Or, I don't think we've had a yogurt. Uh, yeah, yeah, yogurt or, you know, maybe some uh, – I like those, um, you know, those fruit things that are Welch's fruit things. Oh yeah, the fruit snacks, like the little yeah, yeah, those are delicious. Those well, are those are good too. Good yeah, those are good too. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- we, thanks again. We got Alan. that going for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah there see a lot of truck stops definitely along the way. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us today, Alan. You've been you've been a lot of fun, and uh, we really appreciate it. And we wish you all the best. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, you're a legend. Keep doing your things. Keep doing <laughs> keep doing big things. Thanks all a right. lot, guys. We thanks, appreciate man. it. See you, Daisy. Rob, bye bye. Bye bye. This is the Great Song Podcast. And that was Alan Hewitt, co-writer of Cherry Pie. Also played B3 on this track. We're so grateful to Alan for joining us on the Great Song Podcast. Um, yeah, let's get... Man, I'm getting... I'm, I, I need some pie. Let's do this. <laughs> I need some... Uh, what's your pie of choice? We didn't oh, talk about cream this. pie. Oh, cream is your uh, number. Yeah, but probably. Like, uh, I mean, if you're going with a, a, a pot style pie, though, not a little Debbie pie. Man, I'd have to think on that for a bit. I should have. I should have known coming in. I'll... Yeah, probably. I mean, you can't go wrong with cherry. I mean, that's probably yeah. a safe play. If you go now, does it differ for you whether if somebody says you want a pie, or if you go and get like a hostess snack pie or mm-hmm. little Debbie? You know what I mean? Yeah. One of those like fried pies that are like handheld. What kind do you get? Yeah, if I get a, if I get a, I'm going cherry if it's fried pie. Okay, okay, that's, that's a no brainer for me. Okay. Um, it's weird because I keep thinking about banana pudding. There's got to be a banana pie. There's banana, yeah, but like a banana cream kind of. That uh, sounds kind of good. It's delicious. I think I need some of that. As, as an as the expert on the subject, I can tell you, <laughs> confirm delicious. Uh, you got, pretty much can't go wrong with one of those right. fried pies, dude. Yeah. And if you ever, if you're ever just driving down the road and you pass like somebody who just bakes them on their uh-huh. own and sells them, stop immediately. The, the answer is yes. The answer is absolutely <laughs> yes. Just get one. Doesn't matter what flavor. They're all so good. Uh, rhubarb pie. Let's go. Hey, rhubarb let's, pie. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All man. right. It's around the shop. The, uh, we got another good guest next week. You guys are really going to like this absolutely. one. I mean, we say that every week, but it's true. Next week. And it's be true every week. It is. But you know, whatever. Don't take our word for it. Subscribe to the That's show right. and listen for yourself. Come check it out. Okay. Uh, all right. We'll see you next week with another great song. Until then, I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.